welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod coming at you on a Sunday afternoon in March. I believe it is March 12th today, just before the start of NFL Free Agency, guys. How are we doing today? How was your weekend? Anything uh, fun or exciting going on for you guys uh, in the past week? Uh, unfortunately, nothing too exciting. I guess we did plan a trip to Florida over this past week, uh, so we're going to be down there a couple days. But besides that, nothing too exciting. Just work and, uh, like I said, NFL free agency is kind of going to get you know going this upcoming week, so there'll be a little bit more like for sure news. I feel like a lot of stuff this week has been somewhat speculative, which is fun, but it'll be more fun, I feel like, to see where these people are actually going, get some actual information, and uh, build some opinions off of that, but... Yeah, I'm excited for the upcoming week, and uh, yeah, how's your week been, Nick? It's been all right, pretty tame on my end as far as uh, you know the life side of things goes. We were just watching our uh, St. Louis City FC go to three and zero last night with a w- big win in Portland. So we love to see that. Our BattleHawks are currently playing. Uh, against the Arlington Renegades, I want to say. I've had a little bit of trouble getting into that, to be honest with you. But um, they are, I believe, in the second quarter right now. So hopefully A.J. McCarron can bring the boys home. Um, before we get started with the NFL news, we have quite a bit of stuff to get through, actually. So we'll get to that in just a second. But I uh, just wanted to reinstitute our uh podcast guessing game here we uh wanted to start every episode with each uh crew member guessing the length of the podcast before it happens see who gets the closest maybe we keep a a tally of who ends up with the most wins out of the group uh this year so uh, i'm gonna go ahead and let justin start us off with his guess because i believe cody and i were the only ones on the pod when we were doing it the first time around so justin uh do the honors yeah um looking at this i think there's a lot to talk about too once you get to a couple quarterbacks. You know, you kind of gotta factor that in. This one's I, I'm tough gonna, because I know, I, and I hate to say the it's other gonna ones go long, rhythm. but this one's gonna I be really tough. do see see this going a little longer. I'm gonna go hour and twenty seven minutes. Okay, okay. Um, I think there's gonna be a little bit of a longer side. There's a couple things on a lot of these guys. You guys can kind of wander off into the woods there, so it's gonna be. Uh, <laughs> quite interesting where you guys get with this that is like the imagery there i'm i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go hour 10 i think the boys can uh get together get tidy and uh get this get this rocked out in a little bit here i think i think hour 10 is a good uh good time frame yeah i'm gonna go ahead and shoot i'm gonna just go just over just so i'm gonna take an hour 30 i think that uh okay. i think we'll be somewhat quick through some of these guys but like justin said there's a lot of quarterbacks worth talking about and some of them uh have some interesting things going on right now so I've also undershot the other two guesses that I had when Nick beat me both times. So oh, time. I am taking yeah. I'm taking the over for right now until proven otherwise. Also I'm still waiting on those two drinks you owe me. But, yeah, uh, while know, we're while we're right. shouting out the uh, the uh, team, shout out Mizzou basketball. Obviously about to make an NCAA oh, run uh, starting next weekend. We're gonna have an NCAA March Madness podcast come out. Actually, while we're on it, let's do an NCAA March Madness bracket tournament, fan TC style. I'll throw that link out there on social. So if you're building a bracket, throw another one in that competition as well. And, uh, you know, we'll shout out the winner or whatever on the next podcast or whenever March Madness is over with. But shout out Mizzou. Obviously, they they battled Alabama pretty well yesterday. Just Brandon Miller in the second half kind of took over, man. But that was a good game. They have a good team, and I'm excited for them for, for the tourney. 
Yeah, I think for the tourney, we'll probably just uh, that that podcast specifically. I think we'll just kind of give an overview of the teams we like, um, and then maybe more of a, a betting angle. Uh, just maybe some long shot odds that we like, and uh, maybe some other games to target in the first couple rounds where we know the matchups that are going to happen. So. Uh, I think that's what you should expect for that uh, specific podcast. I think we'll also rock out a uh, wide receiver podcast next week as well. Uh, we'll see if there's any other NFL news that comes about in between now and then, but most likely going to be uh, heavily more of a heavy focus on just the wide receivers. This podcast in particular will be pretty half and half on the news and the, uh, the quarterbacks. So with that being said, boys, let's go ahead and get to it. We have a lot to cover. I've split our news section into two groups. We have just the quarterback news, and we have the other NFL news. So let's go ahead and start with the quarterback NFL news, and then we'll get to uh, everybody else. First thing, uh, Lamar Jackson, he got the non-exclusive franchise tag. Um, that basically means that other teams can negotiate contracts with him. The, Ra- uh, the Ravens have the opportunity to match any contract Lamar Jackson signs, or if they let him go, the other uh, whatever team ends up inking him will have to give up two first-round picks along with whatever contract that uh, is accompanied there. So. Uh, Cody, I'm just going to throw it to you to start here. Uh, what's your read here? Do you think Lamar is going to stick in Baltimore, or do you think he is uh, going to go elsewhere this offseason? Well, one other thing about the non-exclusive tag, and like you said, the Ravens get to match it, and they get up to five days, I believe, to match the contract. So if, let's say, the Atlanta Falcons were to come to an agreement with Lamar Jackson, they the Ravens have five days to – match the contract and during those five days basically the falcons would be strapped because that contract goes on their books immediately so the lamar jackson situation is a little bit weird because there's obviously some other quarterbacks floating out there like aaron Rodgers and uh some other things going on some other free agent signings that i feel like have to happen before you know lamar which is kind of crazy to think about mvp quarterback at 26 how he's not a priority but um yeah. yeah, I think unless – I mean, I could see him not playing next year at this point if he's not going to play for $32 million because I, I just – it seems like he's dead set on getting the fully guaranteed contract. And, you know, we can argue that's, whether or not that's smart or not in the Deshaun Watson situation. But I, I, the way that I kind of why. look at it is just because of one – like if we take this out of football, if one company makes a terrible business decision, it's not every other company's responsibility to follow in that business decision. So if the rest of the NFL thinks the guaranteed contract's a bad idea, I understand not doing it. But from the Lamar Jackson perspective, how do you give Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract and Lamar Jackson can't get one? So I get it. It goes both ways. I, I think he ends up getting signed somewhere. I don't know that exact place right now. I think Atlanta would be a great spot for him. But, um, I mean, if it comes down to just the exclusive or non-exclusive tag for $32 million, I don't think he plays next year. Yeah, I don't think he's going to play on the tag. Uh, but I, I do think he's going to end up staying in Baltimore, whether it's the fully guaranteed contract or whether he's, uh, you know, his guarantees fall a little bit under that. We'll see. But I think that's the most likely situation. I think the reason that there is not more interest in Lamar is because of his uh, insistence on a guarantee, a fully guaranteed contract, like you alluded to. Um, I, yeah, like you said, whether or not it's a great business decision, I you know I can't say for sure. I I would be willing to pay Lamar Jackson if I was say the Atlanta Falcons, and my other option is Desmond Ritter or 
you know, whatever quarterback I can trade up for. We just saw the Carolina Panthers had to give up an absolute haul to move up to number one. So uh, Atlanta would be looking at mortgaging their future if they tried to, to trade up in this year's draft. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think Lamar should be holding out for that guaranteed deal. I mean, it, you, you just the nature of his quarterback style in particular, I think uh, lends itself to more injury. Obviously he runs a lot. He's a mobile guy. He's been injured the past couple of years, so it makes sense for him to want to uh, to guarantee his money. But I think he'll end up staying in Baltimore. I think it makes a lot of sense for a team like Atlanta to go uh, to go see what they can do and try and get at uh, get after him. But I uh, I think it seems like the NFL owners have uh, sort of banded together on this one. They're trying to squelch out the notion of uh, fully guaranteed contracts for uh, quarterbacks. So I don't know if we're going to see that happen unless uh, unless he comes off of his stance a little bit. So well, interesting situation, but my prediction, I will say he goes back to Baltimore. Yeah, massive fully guaranteed contracts. I think Kirk Cousins has had fully guaranteed contracts for like the last two that he's two done. Two three-year deals. And yeah, yeah, but they're a I lot mean, smaller. Lamar wants right. like a five-year, 200-something million dollar fully guaranteed, guaranteed contract. So yeah, it's tough. I think he probably ends up, ending up back in Baltimore, uh, especially if he doesn't get the contract offer elsewhere that he's looking for. Why? I mean, unless he feels like he's just been like done wrong by the team for them, not willing to work with them more. But I mean, I don't know. I think they, they can keep him around as long as they truly want them. And as long as they truly want them, why would you want to go anywhere else? So. I, I would love to see him in Atlanta. I think that would be my dream destination for him. It just makes a lot of sense with the coach. Arthur, Arthur Smith has some creative run schemes. They have a pretty good O-line there. Uh, Kyle Pitts is a young target. Drake London, interesting young piece as well. So I think that would be a, a very fun place for Lamar to go. It just doesn't seem like their interest level is there for whatever reason, whether it's you know that owner situation we talked about or maybe just uh, you know their preference to have someone a little – little healthier than Lamar has been the past couple of years, but we'll see where he ends up. Uh, do you have anything else to add on Lamar situation? I do not know. Let's jump to Derek Carr signing a four year, $150 million contract with the saints. It's actually a three year, $100 million deal. They have an out after three years. So I believe it's a $5 million dead cap if they want to get out at that point. So basically a three year, $100 million deal. Uh, I, I think the contract itself for the player is fine. Uh, I don't love the fit, though. I think the Saints will be basically what they've been the past couple of years. Seems like they're kind of refusing uh, this rebuild. They keep trying to retool year in, year out, and they're you know just kind of treading water in the middle of the NFL. I think they might be thinking that they can take advantage of a weak NFC South, and maybe they can win their division next year because, again, it's going to be possibly the worst one in the league, but... Um, I, I just don't really like this direction for them. I think if I was the Saints, I would have torn, torn it down maybe even two years ago, but it seems like they're going to just try and ride this out. And I believe what they bought themselves is a couple of years at, you know, 7, 10, 8, 9, 9, and 8. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Derek Carr, I mean, he was – he's been a very middle-of-the-pack quarterback with John Gruden. He kind of kind got up into that, you know, 10 to 14 kind of range of quarterbacks. And then with Josh McDaniels last year, he kind of fell right back to, to where he was. And, you know, Sean Payton, Sean Payton's not in New Orleans anymore. They don't have an offensive genius down there running their offense. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, how much of an improvement is he over Andy Dalton, if we're being completely honest? Like, it is an, it is an improvement, but how much are we jumping up there? And how much more are we paying him versus paying the backup level kind of guy? So, 
I don't love it. Like you said, this is just trying to take advantage of their weak division. I mean, unfortunately for Saints fans, I mean, they're three or four years away from being in like just cap purgatory, and they're already really there. They're kind of just riding it out and just pushing money down further and further away. So eventually this team's going to have to completely bottom out. But I think they bought themselves two to three years where they feel like they can win the South. I mean, the NFC is not anything amazing. If you can get a really good defense, if you're the Saints, you you could feel like you can make something happen. But when you have Derek Carr as your quarterback and you're allocating that much money towards him, I just I don't have very much faith in that happening. Yeah, I think uh, as far as Chris Olave goes, it's fine. Right. Not fantastic. Uh, I, at least you'll have a professional quarterback throwing him the ball, but. Uh, you know, this does cap his upside a bit, I would say. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to turn into Devontae Adams from a statistical perspective. They have some other options there. A lot of them were hurt last year. I think, um, you know, if I'm an Olave owner, I'm not thrilled with this news. I'm not, you know, totally upset either. But uh, I, I think I think he'll be fine moving forward. But I think there were better options that could have played out for the Saints and Olave's value. Uh, but, yeah, I think... Like you said, they're really just kind of treading water here. And I, I, if I was the Saints, I wish I wish they would kind of just pick a direction and head in it rather than uh, just trying to, you know, just grasp at straws every year. It seems like they're just kind of uh, hanging out in the middle, which is the worst place to be in really any professional sports league, in my opinion. It is the absolute Anything worst. Anything else? Yeah. Derek Carr is probably yeah, the perfect 100%. quarterback for a defensive head coach because he's extremely conservative and he – he can limit turnovers to a certain degree. So I get it from the Saints' perspective. You know, like this is probably their best option they had out there when they're looking at where they can get in the draft, especially since they traded their first-round pick to the Eagles last year. So I, I get it. It's just, like you said, you're going to see yourself between seven and nine wins most likely for the next, you know, three to four years. And it's just average, and that's not fun. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather bottom out and try and go for like a – uh, Caleb Williams next year or something like that, as opposed to getting seven wins and fighting for a playoff spot down the stretch. Couldn't agree more on that front. Uh, for the Saints' sake, at least it is not this next contract. That is Daniel Jones signing with the New York Giants. On paper, a four-year, $160 million deal. Uh, actually, just a three-year, $112.5 million deal. Not sure that helps that much. Giants could actually get out of this one after two years as well, but it would be a lot tougher to swallow. They'd have a, quite a bit of dead money if they went that route, so... Uh, pretty much a three-year, $112 million pact here, so slightly more per year than Derek Carr's deal. Um, I actually haven't talked to you about this one yet, but I can uh, guess how you feel about it. It's probably how I feel. I I can't believe that they went this route. I would have definitely thrown the tag on him and let him play it out if he wants to and then moved on if um, you know we didn't see any improvement next year but uh, this deal just seems very reactionary from the Giants and I think it's going to end up not working out for them obviously we've not really been pro Daniel Jones here but Cody uh, give me your thoughts yeah 40 million dollars for a guy who uh, didn't even throw one touchdown per game last season played in 16 had 15 <laughs> passing touchdowns but that's a nice 40 million dollars on your books the next couple of years so uh, this is complete this is I don't even understand it I feel like this is probably the worst like worst management I've ever seen with a with a deal. Like you could have tagged him. Like there was there you did not have to do this, which I think was what makes it even worse. You could have tagged him, made him play it out because he has not proven he's worth this kind of a deal. When you're looking at a guy like Lamar Jackson, who's proven that he's worth this kind of a deal, you know he won't sign this kind. But you know what I mean. Like 
those are the kind of guys you sign. Daniel Jones has not proven to me he's worth $40 million a year against your cap. Now he needs receivers. Now you're limited with the receivers you can go out and get because you have to pay Daniel Jones this. So I, I don't love it. I, I think, like I said, for most of the season when it comes to Daniel Jones, I don't want him to be my fantasy quarterback, and I don't want him to be my real-life quarterback just because I think – he is average as the day is long, and it was same with the Saints situation. You're paying a lot of money to a quarterback that's going to keep you between seven and, for the Giants, maybe ten wins because you have Dayball there. I think uh, if we want to go to the positive side of this for Giants fans, the one thing you can point to is Daniel Jones is younger than Carr, so there is theoretical room for growth there. Uh, and I think the other thing is is that his wide receiver core could arguably be, you know, you could have argued it was the worst in the league last year. For sure. So. We all thought Josh Allen was somewhat of a bust until they got him Stephon Diggs and, you know, they, they rounded out that receiving core and he turned into a really good quarterback. So I'm not saying Daniel Jones is going to make that leap, but I think that's those statistics at the end of the year might look a little better if he has a couple of professional wide receivers on the outside there. So we'll see if they can get him any weapons, but yeah, I, I think I take issue with just uh, their opportunity cost here because you know, they could have tagged him. I think he would have probably played out on the tag. And it just doesn't make any sense to me to, to lock him up here when uh, you had that opportunity. I, I think it's as simple as that for me. So I think Daniel Jones could end up, you know, I like Dable. I, I like the the way the Giants looked last year. They looked like they're improving, but I, I just don't see any reason to, to do this. I would have tagged him and uh, just wrote it out another year. And if he improves, then you can sign him then. But it doesn't make any sense to me to lock him up long term right now. I mean, this is this is a very aggressive move, so I don't think the Giants would ever make it. But why wouldn't you just not exclusively tag Daniel Jones and see if he can go fetch this contract on the open market and then just match it instead of giving it to him? Like, I know like for – you know, yeah. player and team relationship, you don't necessarily want that to happen, but I, you just overpaid for a guy that I don't think is worth that. And then, I mean, you know, if he's if he gets a contract you don't want to pay out in the open market, let some other team overpay for him and then go, you know, restart with a different quarterback. I don't know. I just – I don't yeah, like it. You have I, other quarterbacks available. I mean, Lamar Jackson, you could offer him a crazy contract if you're willing to give this one to Daniel Jones. So – I think I think part of their trepidation was not wanting to lose Barkley because they ended up using right. the tag on him. We'll get to that later. So that might have played into this uh, a little bit. But in my opinion, I just I would not shape the direction of my franchise based on a running back. So I, if that played into their decision making at all, I don't agree with it. And uh, yeah, I, I just think they should have tagged Jones and played him out another year. See, uh, so, you know, see how it goes, and if you have to pay him a couple extra bucks if he if he pans out, so be it. I, I don't think that's going to kill you in the end. So I I just don't totally agree with it. We'll see how it works out, but would have went a different direction in my opinion. Uh, anything else on the Jones stuff, or do you want to move on to our last quarterback contract here? No, he's got enough of our time on the podcast. We can we can move on. Yeah, fair Jones. enough. This is the last deal of the bunch as far as kind of middling quarterback deals go, and in my favorite by quite a wide margin as far as structure goes for the team. That's Geno Smith signing a three-year, $105 million deal. This is actually a three-year, $75 million deal. $40 million, or excuse me, $30 million of that 105 is incentives, and uh, only $40 million is guaranteed overall. So I have not actually been able to track down exact details on you know outs in this contract but since there's only 40 million guaranteed i can almost any almost uh, guarantee you that they can get out next year yeah. or at or at the very least after two so this is an extremely team-friendly contract in my opinion 
three years, 105 looks scary, but again, you always have to find out where the guarantees lie. And you know, that, that, that is, that is not what this contract actually is. It is more like probably a two year, $50 million deal with incentives. So if he plays well, he'll get more money, but if he plays well, the Seahawks will be happy. Uh, so this doesn't really take them out of the running of taking a quarterback this year. I think it makes all the sense in the world. Even if they do take one, it's probably going to be a developmental guy in a, you know, a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson type. So I'm all for it. I think it makes a lot of sense. And the Seahawks were, were smart here. I, I don't really have much else to add. It was just a, a solid contract for both sides. Yeah, you nailed that. I think you hit just about every major point I was going to. But my, my big thing is it's it's a great deal for both teams. I mean, that's this is probably the best contract Geno Smith has you know gotten in the NFL. So he got himself. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's probably doubled his him. you know career earnings with this contract alone. So it's really good for him. It's really good for the Seahawks because, like you said, with $40 million guaranteed, as long as their owner is willing to do it, they could move off of them next year if they needed to. And they have the fifth overall pick. So, I mean, this is just a smart franchise, knowing they're in a good position, keep a good quarterback around. And he's a great team guy from everything that you hear about it. So if you get a Levis or an Anthony Richardson at – number five, then you can let him develop for a year. And I mean, you don't, you never know. If you take Anthony Richardson, you may have, you know, the next freakish quarterback just sitting behind Gino for, you know, half a season or a full season. So yeah, I, I love it for both teams. And, and like you said, it's good for the guy because he's kind of, it's crazy. I think with 10 years in the NFL, just backing up and just fighting out for position spots and then gets a chance with Seattle and gets himself a $75 million guaranteed deal. So shout out to Gino. That's awesome. Yeah. Good on Gino Smith. He earned it by uh, playing very well last year. And I think, again, this just makes a lot of sense for both him and the team, most likely going to take a quarterback either this year or next uh, and let them develop behind Gino Smith. And uh, you know, that guy will be the future of the franchise. But in the meantime, you have a solid quarterback and a good young roster that can grow underneath him. So Good for Geno, good for the Seahawks. This was smart decision-making, in my opinion. Uh, moving on here to the last two bits of quarterback news we have to go over. Those are the two old guys. Uh, Tom Brady, a little bit in the news this past week. There's been some rumblings that he is not done yet. Uh, I don't really want to go too far in depth with this because it just seems like a lot of smoke. There's no real you know, concrete story that I can find here. He came out on Twitter a couple days ago and kind of said, you know, there is no truth to these details. I'm, I'm not going to trust anything he says first off, but I will say that, but uh, you don't just believe, give me uh, uh, your temperature. You don't believe a two month old kitten is going to hold him out of being an NFL quarterback <laughs> next season. Yeah, somehow, somehow I think he'll find someone to take care of his cat. Yeah, uh, but wow. uh, I, I'm going to, uh, just, just give me odds. What do you think the odds are that he plays next year? Oh, um, so I think there's quick. We don't have to go too far. I think there's two teams that Tom Brady makes sense for. One being San Francisco. Unfortunately yeah. for him, San Francisco or for Brock Purdy, uh, he had a successful UCL surgery on Friday. Could be throwing in three months, so he's probably going to be back by uh, preseason time for the 49ers. So if they feel like Brock Purdy's their guy, they can roll with. He's going to be back for them. So I don't feel like they're as strapped to go after a guy like Tom Brady. The other one's Miami. We'll see how much they want to trust Tua going into next year. Obviously, he's already been rumored with that team. But, um, I mean, if you're Miami, they just made the trade for Jalen Ramsey. We'll get into. I think you're you're putting a lot of faith in Tua, not only performing at a high level, but staying healthy all season. So, I would look out for Tom Brady to Miami if uh, if you think he's not done playing football yet. What odds would you give on Tom Brady coming back next year? Uh, like if we're doing a, you know, like out of – uh, just percentage. Uh, percentage. 
I'm going to go at this point. I mean, that trade really has me thinking, man. I'm going to go 30% chance he's coming back to Miami. I'll uh, give it a solid 50-50. Yeah, I think the other uh, 70 just, just... feels like a guy that, yeah, feels like a guy that just does not does not like not playing football. So I, I would I would say there are a pretty good chance that he is going to end up somewhere. I think it's going to end up coming down to those quarterback situations. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We, we don't know too much right now, but I would just say don't, don't drop him if you're in a dynasty league. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on to Tom Brady. He might not be done yet. Uh, the other, you know, flip-flopping, retiring, older quarterback that we unfortunately have to talk about is Aaron Rodgers. Seems like Aaron Rodgers to the Jets is pretty likely at this point. It's really just going to come down to his decision. Uh, it has been reported that compensation has been agreed upon between the Packers and the Jets, and the Jets have been moving out cap space in recent days. Uh, where would you put the likelihood of this on your chart, Cody? I'm I'm pretty high on this one. I'd yeah, say 70, 80 percent. Yeah, I'm at like 90, 95 of him going to the Jets. What's unbelievable yeah. to me as just a fan looking inward is if you're the Jets, how are you so committed on a quarterback that's like, maybe I want to go there. I haven't made up my mind yet. Or nah, I'm just not sure how I'm going to feel about playing football, you know, going forward. Like, how do you like? What's your deal? Like, what's the compensation? I I'm very curious to see how this goes down because with how much he talks about retirement, if he goes to New York and they don't gel the first year and it's kind of rocky, I could just see him retiring immediately. So, oh yeah, I, I just I I can't desperate. cannot believe I, they are desperate. That's what it comes down. I mean, the whole their whole situation's desperate. Their GM's good, but he's gone through like three quarterbacks now. Robert Sala is kind of, you know, probably on the hot seat to start the season. So they need some someone proven that can win them games. But uh, it's just – it's wild to me, man. You're just going all in on a guy that may not be in the NFL in two years, which is just scary from a fan's perspective. But – and you're going to the AFC, which is what I don't get. Like, you're going to be better than the Bills, the Bengals, the Jaguars next year, the Chiefs. Like – it's, it's a tough, yeah, I mean, tough place to It is a good young roster, so we'll see if he can gel in the first year. But uh, I think if you're Aaron Rodgers and you want to compete next year, it's as good a spot as any. I mean, it's much better than the Raiders. I think that's the oh, other spot yeah. you're looking at. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, honestly, staying with the Packers might be his best chance at contention, but it seems like he's burned that bridge to some degree, so I don't expect that to happen. Uh, if you have Garrett Wilson, like uh, a few of us on this podcast do, I would be pretty happy about this. I think this is by far the best option you could have had going into this year, whether it was Zach Wilson or some other veteran quarterback. Uh, you know, as much as you or I may not want to root for Aaron Rodgers, he is still a pretty good NFL quarterback. And again, I think much better than any other option they had. So we'll see how it plays out. But it seems as someone who rode Christian Watson last happen. year, uh, Aaron Rodgers does have some upside every once in a while. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, your Watson shares are, you know, uh, nah, worth Jordan, nothing anymore. Jordan loves looking good. We're all right. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> Last bit of – oh, actually, we have two more bits of news here. That one just popped up today, uh, that Jalen Ramsey news. We'll start with the Bears trading the first overall pick. This is uh, you know, one of the biggest expected moves this offseason for the draft. They traded their pick to the Panthers and got an absolute haul for it. Uh, 109 this year, that is the Panthers' first-round pick. The 61st pick in the draft, I believe that was the 49ers pick they got for the Christian McCaffrey deal. Uh, the Panthers 2024 first, the Panthers 2025 second, and DJ Moore 
Uh, Cody, uh, we'll, I'll kick it off to you. Go ahead and give me a couple winners and maybe a, a loser from this entire situation here uh, on an individual level for this trade. Uh, I'll go first winner, DJ Moore. Um, Going to get par- paired up with Justin Fields. Um, I think, honestly, you think I, I a winner from a fantasy perspective. I, from from a, I mean, he has to be from a fantasy perspective. If you're someone who's like really? held on to DJ Moore through all of your all of his fantasy up and downs, now I mean, this we always say it, but I mean, is this the best quarterback he's had in his career? Yeah, yes, it is, but I I, I, I don't know, think he's going to get. Uh, yeah, I mean, Justin Fields my, is going to throw the ball what twenty five times a game. But I, let's I don't be know if real. Fantasy for DJ Moore. Let's be real. Claypool's not not a top wide receiver. Darnell Mooney's oh, not a top wide receiver. Cole Komet's a middling tight end. Like he's gonna, he should be. By the way he's talked about, and the way he's been talked about since this trade went through, he should be the clear number one on that team by a mile. So this is what I kind of want to get into about the trade because I like the trade from both sides. I feel like from the Bears, this was probably the best haul you're going to get. With the Jalen Carter news, I don't want to get like negative about it, but he could be there at nine and you could potentially get a, the steal of the first round with his news. Obviously, don't want to get into all that because it can kind of get a little negative, but it's football. Right. Like These kind of things happen. The Chiefs got Tyreek Hill because of a bad situation. Other players have fallen and gone to better situations because of it. So there's that possibility. And then I think like if you value DJ Moore as a very high level wide receiver, you're going to feel like the Bears have won this trade. If you feel like DJ Moore is a, you know, maybe a deep threat wide receiver can be mixed in a little bit, then I feel like the trade's pretty even, which is kind of where I'm at. If you're the Panthers and you draft your generational quarterback, you're not going to care about DJ Moore that first, that second, or whatever the other pick was that was in there. So you got to pick the right guy. You get yourself, you know, months of time to be able to interview and see these guys that you want to take a look at. So you get to make that decision. So um, I, I like it. I mean, if you're the Panthers, they've wanted that franchise guy for five years now going since the new owner took over the team. This is your chance to get it. And if you're the Bears, I feel like you got really good compensation for it. And if you're someone who values DJ Moore very highly, you probably feel like the Bears won the trade at this point. Yeah, I have a slightly different view here. Uh, not really from the Bears side. I think they did pretty well here. This is quite a haul. I think DJ Moore is a, probably a little bit of a better player than you do based on your assessment there. And he is locked up to a pretty decent it contract. Is a good contract. I believe he's on the books for three more years at $17 million, which is a very good rate for a number one wide receiver. So the Bears did well here. I think... Um, you know, that 2024 first might end up being the biggest asset that they get because this Panthers team could still be very bad with the skill position group that they're going to be running out there and not much in free agency to supplement it, in my opinion. We'll see what they can do, but there's just not a lot out there in the way of wide receivers to go sign. Uh, I think the biggest winner is Justin Fields, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, this these picks are going to help round out the roster, and he gets himself an elite option on the outside to pair with Darnell Mooney and a Chase Claypool, who I think are going to be uh, much better in complementary roles. So I think Justin Fields' fantasy value just went up quite a bit. Uh, we kind of expected them to make a move for a number one wide receiver, but they've actually done it, and this guy will be locked in for a couple of years. So Justin Fields is a winner. I'm not sure DJ Moore is a winner in this situation. I think uh, it's tough. You know, I mean, if you would have had you know, if they would have traded up to five, say, and not given up DJ Moore, that being the Panthers, and drafted CJ Stroud, uh, I I think I would be just about as high on DJ Moore because he'd be in a situation where 
You know, you have a more traditional pocket passer who's going to be throwing the ball to him with less competition. Tough to say. I, I just think the Bears offense is going to focus on running, so DJ Moore might not get the volume we need. Uh, I, I certainly am not going to call him a loser, though. Uh, overall, I you know the one. I think the the trade compensation was fine. I just don't agree with the move from the Panthers' perspective because I I don't have a huge separation on any of these guys personally. Right. I think yeah, they have to the have top three quarterbacks are all pretty similar. They do in oh, their they mind. They, they have a clear number one, and that that they are yeah. eyeing at this point. You don't make a move like this if you don't feel that way. My thing is, I right. I got a nice little bet out there for Anthony Richardson to be the first quarterback drafted at plus five hundred odds. Possible. This trade's got possible. me excited about it. Now, now that this is a, they are pretty close to Alabama, so they've probably had you know some ties to Bryce Young for a little while. Some scouts have been, you know probably spent a lot of time down there. They're pretty close, but I don't know Anthony Richardson. The way that after his combine went crazy, and then this trade happened, I was like, man, this could be this could be that owner trying to pull, trying to find their guy, their Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm excited for both teams. Yeah. I, honestly, I'm just excited for DJ Moore to kind of just get a fresh start with a new team more than anything. Like you said, if they were to get a better, you know, a different quarterback option in Carolina, it may be maybe better than Justin Fields for him. But I think I was just, I was a little drained of the DJ Moore, you know, just talking points. I mean, throughout the pot, throughout the whole year, this it's just the same thing with him. You know what he is. He's either going to put up 20 or two and you just kind of got to take it every single week. So I think that probably stays pretty yeah, much the same. It's just new team, new place. I'm kind of excited to, to rejuvenate DJ Moore a little bit. Right. This has the Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs feel, uh, you know, just in a general sense. So if it works out like that, that's great. I just don't know if Justin Fields has the passing upside or will have the passing volume to necessarily reach that ceiling. Uh, I think, yeah, not, not a bad thing for DJ Moore. Might not be just quite as thrilled as other people might be going into the year. We'll just kind of have to see where he falls in drafts. Um, but yeah, if I'm the Panthers, I would have traded up to five or six and taken whatever quarterback was left personally, uh, because I like all four of these guys about the same uh, from, you know, obviously they're all very different, but overall I think they end up around the same point as far as uh, draft value for me goes. So I think I would have taken a little less, uh, you know, taken a little less draft capital and moved up you know, four or five spots instead of nine, but clearly they like their guy. And I don't think uh, a lot of people have been saying this was, you know, a steal for the bears. I think this is about right for trading from nine to one. That's a pretty big leap, especially with a year uh, with, you know, this many good quarterbacks. So not surprised about the compensation, just surprised about the destination that they ended up going. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I think Anthony Richardson is a sincere possibility though. It's a good ticket to have. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the other trade that just happened a couple hours before this podcast started. That's Jalen Ramsey to the Dolphins for a 2023 third and Hunter Long, who is a tight end, if you didn't know, because I didn't. But this just seems like the Rams kind of trying to get themselves out of cap hell to a degree and the Dolphins trying to take advantage of that. And, uh, you know, clearly they're playing for this year. So uh, good move for the Dolphins, um, and the Rams are just kind of strapped uh, by their cap situation. That's really all there is to it, um, and I think the Dolphins did well to take advantage of that. The Jalen Ramsey is still a good player, should make their defense better. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I kind of already said my piece. I think the biggest part about this is they're, they're maybe luring uh, Tom Brady to come out of retirement and say, hey, look at this super team, this loaded defense we got. We got awesome. Ramsey, so – uh, we'll see. Otherwise, Tua Tua's going to have himself a freaking team next year, man. And if he wants one of those big contracts, stay healthy and perform because your team is loaded for you. Um, do you want to knock out the rest of these real quick? I don't feel like we got to talk was, about much of them. I was going to say, 
So yeah, I was just about to say I'm going to knock out these NFL news items. If you have anything to add, just uh, give me a you know give me a heads up, and I will let you jump in. But all of this stuff is a little bit uh, more on the minor side, or if it's not on the minor side, it's just you know, status quo for all of these guys. So Saquon Barkley, as we talked about earlier, he got the non-exclusive franchise tag. Uh, he will be staying with the, the the Giants at $10 million this year. Tony Pollard got the franchise tag from the Cowboys, so he will be staying put. Josh Jacobs got the franchise tag from the Raiders. He will be staying put as well. Evan Ingram, a little bit of a surprise. He got the franchise tag from the Jaguars. So they're keeping their core together. Deron Payne, he is a defensive tackle for the Commanders. He got the franchise tag, actually got extended today uh, with a $90 million deal. So he will be in Washington for a while. Calvin Ridley, he was reinstated. So he will be back with the Jaguars this year officially. Robert Woods, he got cut from the Titans and signed to the Texans. Uh, that one doesn't matter very much for fantasy. Frank Clark of your Chiefs got cut a cap casualty there. Um Anything in particular you want to react to there or do we want to move on to the quarterback? No, you know that it's a cap casualty. You hate to see it. Honestly, it got a little bit of reaction from uh, one of my buddies. And it's just he had five sacks last year in the regular season. I know he had the good playoff Not run, but loss. you can't pay $15 million a year for five sacks. So it's sad. It is what it is. Not I hope you. we retain him on a better contract. He seems to like being a chief, so that may be a possibility, but. It's just that type of year. You're going to see, you know, some surprising names get cut that you're not necessarily expecting, but it all comes down to the dollar amount. Yeah, you can't be paying Patrick Mahomes fifty million. Uh, you know, Chris Jones, what is it, twenty five, thirty million, yeah. uh, and then have an underperforming yeah. outside defensive end, especially when you just drafted one in the first round last year in Karloftis. So I'm sure I think draft you guys will be fine. Too, so. uh, yeah, you'll be able to sign veteran pass rushers that are ring chasing anyway. So this is not a big loss from the Chiefs' perspective. Let's go ahead and jump into the quarterback. Uh, we're just going to call it quarterback reaction from the 2022 season. We're going to kind of give a look ahead to what we think of these guys individually and kind of what we think of the quarterback position as a whole going into next year. As of now, we're going to go 1 through 14 on the uh, points per game finishers. That's for six point per passing touchdown leagues. Starting at number one, uh, that is your boy, Patrick Mahomes. Don't have really much to add here. He's very, very good. This was supposed to be a down year for this offense, and uh, you know he ended up finishing the number one quarterback. I think uh, he is easily the number one in Dynasty right now, uh, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's pretty good at football. That's pretty much all I have to add. Yeah, he's, he's really good. I feel like if you had any concern about Patrick Mahomes' upside last year, he kind of shut all that up with Tyreek Hill leaving and him finishing as the QB1. So um, I don't, yeah, we don't have to spend too much time talking about him. He's great. If you're in a you know dynasty startup, he's right up there with probably Allen and Hurts as you know, your consideration for the QB1. So, uh, yeah, he's awesome. I'm sure he's probably going to be, you know, second to third round draft pick next year. So he's not going to be on very many of my teams, unfortunately. But if you get him, he'll win you weeks. And, uh, you know, the weeks he doesn't perform as well, it's probably going to hurt you. But that's what you get with these, you know, extremely high valuable quarterbacks. I think the one thing you want to look for with Mahomes uh, in, as far as year-to-year -year fantasy value goes is how good is his defense. Because if you, there is really no question if Patrick Mahomes has to drop back and score 30 points, he's probably going to do it. And, you know, you're going to reap the benefits as a fantasy owner more often than not. But, uh, you know, if this young defense gets better and isn't in the bottom half of the league of points and yards allowed, 
and he doesn't have to do those sort of things, a la, you know, Joe Burrow uh, the past couple of years, his defense has actually been pretty good. I think that is the one thing that could end up limiting his production from a fantasy perspective. But, uh, you know, it's it's not really good business from a from fantasy point of view to be trying to predict how good a defense is going to be two or three years down the road. Those things have a way of changing pretty quickly. So I think you just take the best player and don't don't ask any questions. We found out that he is definitely that this year. Um, number two was Josh Allen. He is also pretty good. Don't really have, again, much to add here. I think this is just kind of falls under the Mahomes thing. Uh, it's been a couple of years of this now. He, uh, he was one, one, and then two this year in the past three years, as far as fantasy finish goes, it's really all you have to say about it. Josh Allen's fantastic. And he will be, you want to take him over Mahomes? That's fine with me. Uh, I think I'm just taking the more stable, less injured uh, guy. I just the one concern I have with Allen is that he runs and he exposes himself to more hits than Mahomes does uh, from a long-term point of view. So that would be my only qualm with uh, Josh Allen as a fantasy player in dynasty, but uh, he's going to produce for you every year that he's healthy. Yeah, absolutely. He had uh, twice as many rushing attempts as Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes had 61, Josh Allen 124 this season. So he is uh, yeah, quite, quite the runner. Um, Honestly, if you want to take Allen over Mahomes, I totally get it. If you're someone who's going to be looking at quarterback that early, just to kind of give you a little bit of confidence, he only finished 0.2 points per game lower than Patrick Mahomes with two more interceptions and five more fumbles than Mahomes on the season. So if Allen kind of gets that efficiency back that he had with Dayball, I mean, he could probably find himself right back up there as the QB1. Worst case scenario, I mean, as long as he doesn't get injured and miss a long you know, length of the season, I feel like he's top five guaranteed. So if you're, you know, if you're still liking Allen as your first quarterback taken and you like having the best quarterback, then you can go right ahead and take him. I totally understand it. Yeah. I think uh, if I, if you told me today that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are going to play 17 games next year, I'd bet on Josh Allen having the higher points per game, but I don't think the separation is big enough to justify taking him over Mahomes considering the injury risk. I think that's all I would say right now, but they're both really good. I think that's really all there is to it. They're one and two, and I don't think it's that close, honestly. Even with the next guy we're going to talk about, I think he is a distant third, in my opinion, as far as fantasy goes. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about Jalen Hurts. Yep. He was the third guy here in points per game. Uh, obviously had the disappointing finish with that shoulder injury, so didn't get to use him in the playoffs. Uh, he took a huge step forward this year. Do we have any concern of regression or uh, concern of repeatability here? Because this was a you know a pretty big leap from the year before as far as passing efficiency goes and just overall fantasy play. I guess I actually shouldn't say that. His fantasy play was pretty good even the year before, but just from an NFL quarterback perspective, he took a giant leap here. So uh, we don't have quite the track record that we do for the, the top two guys with uh, Jalen Hurts here. What do you think? Yeah, uh, Jalen Hurts probably the fantasy MVP for the first 15 weeks of the year last year. So um, he was he was a great steal wherever you ended up getting him in drafts last season. Um, I, I honestly think he is close to the Mahomes Allen tier. I feel like those three are the top three in fantasy football. Main reason for that is like he he developed a lot as a passer. Probably AJ Brown coming in you know helps out quite a bit with that, but. Running is going to be a big part of his game, no matter, I feel like, if he gets a big contract or not. So I feel like, um, you know, the, the, the rushing upside isn't going away, even if he gets paid. Um, I think the biggest concern I would have right now, if you're, you know, in a startup draft or something like that, is we don't necessarily know if Jason Kelsey is going to be back next year. 
and just the whole center situation that can always just lead to some a little bit of you know issues and Jalen Hurts is a running quarterback which sometimes can lead to fumbles as well so just some consistency issues you can kind of see you know you can maybe see those to start next year but the only issue I have with Jalen Hurts is he's going to be going right up there with Mahomes and Allen and if I'm going to draft that no, early you. it's going to be Mahomes or Allen so I just I can't rely on Hurts but if you are someone who values quarterback more than you know other people in your league, I think Hertz is going to be the clear number three taken this season. So I think he's fine. I think he has a high rushing upside. It's just I'm a little bit concerned about potential center change, and we'll see what happens with uh, the rest of the offensive line as well. We'll see how many of those guys come back. Yeah, I, the reason I have him as more of a distant third rather than a close third with those top two guys is I think this is probably the best the Eagles roster is ever going to look, or right. at least last year was the best it will ever look, and it can only go down from there. Uh, you know, injuries are unpredictable, but, you know, knock off a couple of those offensive linemen, make that the 12th best line instead of the first or second best line in the league, and, you know, is Jalen Hurts going to produce the same way? I'm not sure, but... I can't imagine that the production will be the exact same. And then he also carries the same concerns that Josh Allen does because he runs. We saw it play out at the end of last year in your fantasy championships. You did not have Jalen Hurts because he hurt his shoulder on a running play. These guys that expose themselves to more hits uh, are just going to carry more risk, uh, you know, because of that fact. So uh, I think those are the, the couple things that have me a little bit down on Hurts compared to the market, uh, but he's very good. He'll be fantastic for fantasy while he's out there, but, I think you could see some possible statistical regression between, um, you know, his his uh, his roster around him not being the top tier unit it was last year. Uh, naturally, in the NFL, these things have and flow. So at some point, it's going to come back to earth, and we'll see if he's able to keep his production up when that happens. Um, let's go ahead and jump to our fourth guy here, unless you have anything to add on Jalen before we move on. Would he be your your third quarterback right now? Or were, are you considering a Burrow, Fields, or Lawrence? Over no. Him? No? Okay. No, Hurts would be my number three, but I, I don't think it matters that much to me because him, he and Burrow are pretty close, and I imagine that the fantasy community would not feel the same. So yeah. I think I'm taking burrow a couple rounds later in that hypothetical situation if i'm drafting one of those two Um, but let's go ahead and jump to joe burrow he was uh the fourth quarterback in the rankings this year i think one of our biggest misses as far as pre-draft rankings goes for the quarterback spot uh the separation of the top four is jarring how ridiculously uh, the, the gap is just giant compared to the rest of the field here and that is just something we don't normally see that's kind of the reason that drafting quarterback early this year ended up working out for a lot of people when it normally doesn't so uh, we'll get to that separation when we uh jump to justin fields i'll kind of illustrate that for everybody how big that separation really was but uh, no doubt on Joe Burrow's ability. He's fantastic. I think uh, the one concern you have is, are they going to be able to keep Higgins and Chase long-term? Uh, I don't really care that much about that, to be honest. If you take Higgins off this team and give them a solid wide receiver, too, that's you know not you know an elite guy like Higgins is, as long as he has Jamar Chase, I think it'll be fine. Uh, and then even if you know if the defense takes a couple steps back, that should you know, even out any statistical loss he'll have from, you know, potentially not having Higgins moving forward, but it seems like he's going to next year anyway. Burrow is really good, and I really have nothing much to add for him. I think uh, 
you know, the, the defense is kind of the only, the only knock on his fantasy production. Yeah. Uh, we, we were definitely a little bit lower on Joe Burrow than uh, the fantasy community last year. And I would say most people in general, in one of my drafts, I took Kyler Murray one spot ahead of Joe Burrow last year. And that was probably the difference between me winning a championship and not making the playoffs. If we're being completely honest, the rest of my team was freaking loaded except for Kyler Murray going Damn. Kyler Murray wasn't bad. It's just, he just had some games where he did absolutely nothing last year. And, uh, that happens. Joe Burrow did not do that to you very often last year. So I think from a consistency perspective and uh, just all around, all wrapped up together, I think Joe Burrow is a great guy uh, to probably target in drafts next year. If you believe this trend is going to continue and there's going to be four to five that kind of separate themselves from the rest of the field, then I'm going to want to aim for that fourth or fifth guy and try and get a little bit of better value in my draft and uh, we'll see when ADP start, you know, becoming a little bit more prevalent where Joe Burrow's going, but I think he's going to be a pretty good target at this point going into next year. Yeah, we'll see. There's a few guys later on that I really, really like that I think, uh, you know, I may be looking at uh, ahead of Burrow, but, you know, if he's there in a round five, it's it's pretty much a slam dunk as far as you know you're getting a great quarterback. If that's the route you want to go, you want to take quarterback early, I think you can wait on him rather than, you know, paying up in round two or three for Hertz, Allen, or Mahomes, and you won't see too much of a drop in production uh, from those guys. And, you know, we can be fairly confident that he is just really good. You know, yep. we've had a couple of years of this now, and it's – it's been pretty consistent. We have more of a track record for Joe Burrow than we do for Jalen Hurts. So I think that's the one thing that Hurts has, that Burrow has over Hurts is his, his floor is higher, in my opinion. Um, so let's go to Fields. He's actually the fifth quarterback in points per game. Uh, before we actually jump into Justin Fields himself, I want to illustrate my point earlier. Joe Burrow was at 26.3 points per game in six point per passing touchdown leagues. Justin Fields was at 22. That 4.3 points per game of separation is bigger than the difference between Justin Fields, the number five quarterback and Derek Carr, the 18th quarterback. Just think about that for a second. The difference between four and five was bigger than the difference between five and 18. I think that can, you know, kind of tell you how having one of the top four quarterbacks in this, uh, you know, this year in fantasy was basically a must if you were going to win a championship unless the rest of your roster was just absolutely stacked. So um, that's just a sort of thing that we don't see very often. I don't know if you think that's going to continue, but that was just, that was kind of the story of fantasy in this year, in my opinion, uh, definitely from the quarterback perspective, but almost from the overall perspective. I don't know if you want to add anything on that point before we jump into fields, but that was just really jarring to me when I realized that and kind of put those numbers together. Yeah, I would say uh, one thing that always kind of confused me about fantasy football, and I feel like you see this more in four-point passing touchdown leagues, but just how just non – like the quarterback was almost non-relevant, which is almost the exact opposite of the NFL. Like the quarterback's everything to a team in the NFL. And, you know, in old right. traditional fantasy football leagues, you could draft the quarterback with your last, last pick and just stream it the full season and go on to win a championship. I feel – like we're kind of going away from that and it's kind of becoming more of an NFL style where if you play in a keeper league or a mini dynasty like ours, if you get a hold of one of these top four to five level quarterbacks, I mean, you're going to want to hold on to them for as long as possible. So um, right. I think it is. I think there's going to be a little bit of ebb and flow with it. We got Justin Fields. We'll see if he can make that, that leap from year two to year three. We'll see if Lamar Jackson, what team he's with, see if he can kind of get back up there. So, 
I feel like there's a little bit of a gap. If you know, if we see Justin Fields take a little bit of a step up, he's probably filling in that gap a little bit closer. Lamar's probably filling in that gap a little bit closer. So injuries do play a little bit of factor into it. But I think if you have one of those four to five guys in a league that continues on year to year, those are going to be the guys you're going to want to hold on to because the quarterback is just continuing to garner more and more stats, which is just better and better for fantasy football. And that's that's why these guys are doing what they're doing and why – I mean, I think just about every league I was in, Hurts, Burrow, Allen, or Mahomes was the starting quarterback for the winning team. So you're spot on with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We'll see if uh, that comes back to the mean a little bit with those four, but uh, they are head and shoulders above everybody else in the NFL from just a football perspective as well. Uh, their teams are well ahead. If they're, if you've ever, if you, any of you have uh, looked at any early odds for next year's Super Bowl, those four teams are far sure. and away above everybody else. So it, you know, kind of lines up from both an NFL and fantasy perspective. I think you should expect a little bit of separation here. Probably not quite this big of a gap, though. This was kind of ridiculous how big this gap was. We really don't ever see this uh, play out over a full season like this. But let's get to Justin Fields real quick. He was the waiver wire wonder from the quarterback position. He actually averaged 26.9 points per game after week five. You really weren't starting him before that anyway. So I think he should... You know, he belongs in this top group. Uh, the only reason that he wasn't on more championship teams is because he got, you know, that shoulder injury towards the end of the year and really kind of fell off because his rushing production came back to earth at the wrong time for a few fantasy owners, unfortunately. But uh, that being said, uh, Justin Fields really did unlock something after week five. Averaged 38.8 yards on the ground in weeks one through five. Averaged 94.9 rushing yards on the way to breaking the all-time record for rushing yards by a quarterback in weeks six through 17. So that offensive adjustment seemed to really unlock his potential. Where does he fall in your ranks next year, Yeah, considering this DJ Moore news? And uh, obviously this is going to change a lot based on who they bring in. They have a ton of cap space and a ton of picks. But um, where does Justin Fields fall in your early ranks? Yeah, and um, yeah, with that cap space and picks, I'm curious to see what they do at the offensive line position because I think that's probably the most important thing for for the Bears. As as great as DJ Moore can be for them, they need to get an offensive line to protect Justin Fields. Um, No question. Their their offensive line was actually very highly rated last year on passing plays because Justin Fields would drop back and then just run with the football. So they were rated very highly on passing downs, but it was more due to Justin Fields running away from defenders than them blocking. So a little bit of uh, smoke and mirrors with their statistics on their offensive line last year. But I think he's – no argument. I mean, I'm going to put the the first four that we talked to talked about kind of in a tier of their own because those are the four I see being you know early round draft picks and you know we'll probably see a little bit of a gap one before we get to the next guy. Maybe Field sneaks up there with Burrow, but um, I mean I think he's you know if you're getting him in seventh, sixth, fifth through seventh round next year, I I personally love it. I mean, like I said, I want to see what they do with the offensive line, but if they do what they're supposed to do to improve it. I mean, if we go back to his Ohio State days, I mean, he was supposed to be the second best passing quarterback coming out in his draft. And then Zach Wilson happened and he was supposedly a better thrower of the football, but we've seen what happened with that. So, you know, if we go back to that, I mean, Justin Fields falling to where he did was pretty surprising. I think he's got a ton of talent. He showed that at Ohio State. It started showing through a little bit last year. Um, I like the weapon they got. Let's build that offensive line. And if they do that, I mean, he's probably right there at my number – 
There's there's one guy we're gonna talk about that's probably my my boy for next year. I think you can guess it if you listen to the podcast all year, but uh, he'd probably be falling right right behind him at number six. That's an idea. Number, and Lamar's also you know kind of curious. I like Lamar a lot, but it, we'll see what happens if he doesn't. If he goes back to Baltimore and they don't improve their wide receiver position, then he's gonna fall a couple spots for me because I'm not gonna do that again. Um, so I think Justin Fields would be number six going into next year right now and. We'll see what the improvements that they make, but there's going to be a quarterback that makes that big leap. There might be a little bit of uh, uh, truth to that with both of my favorite quarterbacks, but Justin Fields would be one of them. So I like him a lot going into next year. And if you're, you know, in a dynasty startup, I'm sure he's probably going too high for me to take him with some other options. But I think in, you know, by the time redraft comes around, I think things are going to kind of simmer down a little bit and he's going to be a good draft pick. Yeah, it's just going to be all about where his value is at when draft season rolls around, like you said. Uh, I probably won't love him if you have to take him in the first five rounds, but if you can get him after that and uh, you know this offensive line flushes itself out and they make some more investments in the offense as a whole, I'll be totally fine with it. Obviously, uh, it's well known that I am a big fan of Justin Fields. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, he carries all of the concerns that Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts have, uh, only more because he runs the ball even more than they do. We saw him get hurt as well running the ball. So that is slight concern for Justin Fields, but his, his ability is game-breaking. And uh, I think he probably has the best shot outside of the top four guys to finish as the number one overall quarterback. I'd agree. Uh, you know, for anyone not named Burrow, Hurts, Mahomes, and Allen because of his next-level rushing ability. So. Uh, we'll see where it goes, but uh, obviously Justin Fields is a hot name right now. It's 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 just really tough for us to give you a you know a hard opinion on where to rank him because there is going to be a ton of roster turnover from the Bears' perspective. Good start with getting DJ Moore though, obviously for Justin Fields' sake. Let's go ahead and jump to number six. Maybe a surprise at number six here for some people. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa actually finished at twenty one point six. I will say uh, we kind of alluded to this earlier when I said that the separation between Fields and Carr was less than the separation between Burrow and Fields. These guys are not separated by that much. So all of these guys pretty much you know, finished in a very similar range as far as fantasy finishes go. And that's probably why it doesn't feel like Tua was the number six quarterback in fantasy. Uh, it's because... These guys are really bunched up, but twelve it's games very tough play to rank right now is where we did it. Also, exactly, so twelve yeah. games played ranked, missed a chunk. ranked yeah. on points per game. We didn't do just overall points because yes. we want to get down to like a Tua who missed a couple games. Sixth overall quarterback's not bad in points per game when you think about Tua. So I was kind of poo-pooing them earlier talking about Tom Brady to the Dolphins. I'm sure there's some statistics on Tua's side that look pretty freaking good for the games that he played. I think that I mean they don't care about fantasy, but this is one of them. He was the sixth best quarterback for fantasy football in the games that he played last year. Yeah, and to echo that point, um, I think it's hard to see him going as a top eight target next year because there's going to be some guys that we get to later that are probably going to be pushed up, and then obviously all of the guys above him are not going to be drafted. Uh, you know, two is not going to be drafted above any of those guys. So. It's going to be, I think he's going to be pushed down a little bit. And I think he'd actually be an okay late round target at this point, assuming he is the starter going into next year. Obviously the Brady stuff will figure itself out, but he was very good when he was on the field. Uh, the concussions were unfortunate, but it seems like those were more, you know, just unfortunate accidents. I mean, he is a smaller guy, so you could say maybe he's a little more prone to those sort of things. But um, I think while he was out there, he was a pretty good fantasy asset. He's got two insanely good wide receivers on the outside, a good offensive line, and uh, you know a smart offensive coach as well. So I'd be okay taking him. He's probably one of the last guys I'd be comfortable having as my starter. But if you miss out on your you know earlier quarterback targets, 
think this is a fine guy to target in the late rounds. That'll probably be, you know, a little lower than he should be, honestly. Yep. Yep. I, I agree with that. My only concern with Tua is if he gets one concussion next year, is he, is he yeah. sidelined for the rest of the year? So that's why I echo Nick's yeah, point. That's... If he's a late round kind of guy, you're getting to throw in as like your starter to start the season. Love Tua there. But if more people catch on to maybe, you know, he was better than other people were thinking and he gets kind of pushed up into those single digit rounds and someone's willing to reach on him. I'm not willing to do that. Uh, he's a little bit too risky, but um, I think in best ball, Tua could definitely shine just because of the injury risk. I mean, he could win you a couple of weeks with the weapons that they have there. So, um, yeah, I I don't mind him as I would say kind of like Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff level is where I kind of want to be able to find him. Ideally, if he gets pushed up a little bit into maybe that you know Dak Prescott kind of tier, then maybe he's worth the flyer. But again, just I think he's one concussion away from being sidelined for quite a while again. So that's, that's my biggest concern with Tua, which I think is fair, but you know, again, a late round pick. I love Tua. If you have to reach for him, I would, I would look elsewhere. Yeah. The concussion concern is, you know, warranted and obviously is there. I think uh, if you're taking Tua, I would just prioritize adding one of those other Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott types as a backup, just so you have a solid plan of action in case that does happen. Um, but I think Tua would be solidly better than, you know, the Kirk Cousins oh, yeah. tier, Jared Goff tier on a point per game basis. So that if he's falling into that range, I love taking the shot on him. And again, if you, if it doesn't work out, there are quarterbacks on the wire every single year you can pick up. And if you have to go trade for a backup quarterback, it's not going to cost you a ton. So you can always pick up the Kirk Cousins types and get by. Uh, I think Tua is probably worth a shot if he's a, you know, in the 10th round say, yeah. and you missed out on your other guys that you liked. Let's go ahead and jump to number seven on this list. Another very surprising inclusion probably to most people. That is Geno Smith. He finished as the seventh best quarterback on a point-per-game basis this year. Seems more like a solid streamer than a consistent starter next year. A very good story, but I think he will fall into that Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff range we alluded to earlier, maybe even slightly below them as far as draft value goes. So good on him for getting the bag. I think he's a solid player, but I would not expect him necessarily to repeat this sort of production next year. I agree with you to a certain extent. I think that this may be the... A little higher on Gino? I think maybe a little bit higher than what you're saying. I feel like this may be his ceiling. Okay. I feel like he may have reached his peak last year. But, uh, I mean, if you yeah. give me 90% yeah. of this season and, you know, the end of my draft and I decided not to prioritize quarterback, I don't mind it for that. So I think he's definitely going to be someone as to where you're getting him. Um, I feel like he should be thought of as a streamer and that could potentially, you know, kind of do what he did this year. But especially if they get a young guy there that people feel like they could that could play within the first year, you got to worry about that with Geno also. So definitely not a guy I'm, like, looking forward to drafting. But if you have to leave your draft with a week one starter and the Seahawks have a juicy first week matchup, I'm perfectly fine with that. But I don't think you should be thought of as more than that. But, again, if you give me 90% of what he did last year, I think you're going to be pretty happy at a streaming level. If you draft him early and yeah, think he's going to be great, then yeah, you're going to be disappointed. I, I think what you said earlier is kind of uh, where I'm at as far as uh, this being his ceiling. And I think that's really my, I guess, issue with Geno as far as a fantasy quarterback goes, because I think a lot of these other guys, even in the lower tier here, you can talk yourself into having, you know, higher upside than uh, a Geno Smith could even conceivably have like a Tua 
I think has much higher upside. I think Lamar Jackson, who we'll get to, has much higher upside. I think even a Kirk Cousins has much higher upside in second year in a Kevin O'Connell system with a Justin Jefferson on the outside. Geno has DK, but a little bit more of a conservative game plan there in Seattle. So I think some of these guys lower down, Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, Justin Herbert, who we haven't even talked about yet, those guys all have higher upside than him, in my opinion. So that's why I'm not leaving my quarterback, my draft with him as my uh, my starter. I think if you want to, you know, if you want to grab Tua and then grab Geno as a backup, that's an okay plan. But just just kind of realize what you have there. Yep, absolutely. And if someone's willing to reach on him because he was the QB seven last year and he got the deal and he's staying with the same team, let him let him take him because the odds of him doing this again would tell you in his career are very unlikely. Because like we said, he's been a journeyman quarterback all his career and then finally got the bag ten years in. So. Those type of quarterbacks typically aren't the most consistent on a year-to-year basis. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Let's go ahead and jump to number eight here. That is Lamar Jackson. This is a tough one to talk about right now. If we had to do ranks right now, this would be one of the hardest guys to rank. Uh, Obviously, just a lot up in the air as far as where he's going to even play and what the roster around him will look like. So it's really hard for me to give a take as far as next year goes. We were very high on him going into the year, and it was very tough because he started out fantastic, really leveled off, and then ended up getting hurt and missing uh, the back half of the year. Again, uh, just like he did the year before. So um, I I think I'll be back in on Lamar as long as Baltimore, you know, say he stays in Baltimore, they bring in a solid wide receiving option. He has Bateman. He has this hypothetical other guy on the other side in Mark Andrews. I think I'll be fine with him as, you know, because he's going to be pushed down a little bit. Most likely he's going to be in the lower end of the top 10. I think uh, that'll be a fine spot to take him, but it's it's just all in the up in the air right now. It's really hard for me to, to give a, a hard take. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying as of right now, but if you're telling me by the end of next week they uh, Lamar's deal gets done with Baltimore and they trade for DeAndre Hopkins, I feel like he's jumping right back up into, into the highly drafted quarterback tier. So I feel like that's what he needs. Um, my, my big concern with Lamar Jackson, whether it's with the Ravens or with another team, is having if you're going to give him the guaranteed contract hypothetically for 200 million dollars that's a lot of money to see that guy running across the middle of an NFL field you know taking hits and such so that's my my concern is if he does get the bag there could be a little bit of a, a you know tendency to not run the ball as often as he had been previously so that's something to be concerned about and then the other thing is we saw last year without elite receiving options or a you know higher tier receiving option he didn't really pass the ball very well. I think Mark Andrews can be that if they can get themselves another. I mean, even just with Hollywood Brown, he was a better passer. So if they can get someone of that caliber or if they feel like Bateman can finally make that leap that he didn't make last year. I can see Lamar kind of being on my board. But for right now, like you said, it, he's he's non-ranked because the the situations he can be in are all over the place. Yeah, the difference with when Lamar had Bateman versus uh, without are pretty stark. It was yeah. obvious that he needed a number one option on the outside, and he just did not have that for a lot of the year between Bateman being hurt and uh, you know playing probably a little bit injured. It's uh, worth mentioning that Mark Andrews played a lot of the year injured as well. Yeah. Clearly was not himself for a large chunk of the season, so... I think Lamar is going to be a solid target as long as, again, these issues with the Ravens get worked out. But it's just uh, it's just kind of a wait and see right now on him. And we'll be able to give you a, uh, a better opinion once we know all of the details as far as uh, where he's going and what his team will look like when, uh, when he does get there. But uh, I think as of right now, 
just I don't, I don't see him. He's not going to move above Fields or the top four guys. And then you could make an argument for a, you know a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Herbert over him too. So if he gets pushed down, I, I think I might target him. But again, it's just going to depend. Yep, I feel you. Um, let's go ahead and move on to uh, number nine. The perennial, uh, you know, QB ten through twelve guy here actually makes it into the uh, the single digits. So congrats to Kirk Cousins. He is the ninth quarterback in uh, six point per passing touchdown leagues this year. Again, not much separation between him and the guys behind him, but he is the perpetual solid late QB value. You kind of know his ceiling. It's right about here yep. at QB nine. Uh, and you're probably going to draft him a little lower than that. So I think Kirk is uh, one of the easiest guys for me to rank, honestly. You push him down a little bit because he does not have the ceiling of some of these other guys. But at the same time, if you're you you know you're in a 14-team league and he ends up being your starter, you could do worse. He'll be, uh, he'll be just fine for fantasy. Not going to win you a league, but not going to kill you either. Yeah, absolutely. With Kirk Cousins, I don't think you can really draft him above most of the people we're talking about today. I mean, there's a couple of them that are in that same tier of them, but you're going to let Kirk Cousins fall to you if you're if you're looking to get Kirk Cousins. So um, he is who he is. Like you said, QB 9 or 10 just about every year. Um, he actually this year had a couple of really big boom games, which was kind of nice to see out of him because with no rushing upside, he can kind of be limited to a certain extent. But I like Hawkinson on that team. He targeted him quite a bit. Obviously, got Justin Jefferson. Argument is you know the best wide receiver. So you know if Kirk Cousins falls to you, you need a quarterback to play. He's not a bad guy to have to take in drafts, but he's not the guy you're going to go in targeting. You should you should have hopes of getting yourself a Herbert or a Lamar or a Lawrence at what you'd consider a value before you know just oh, I'm just going to take another another running back and let Kirk fall to me in the tenth or eleventh round like. I feel like you should aspire for something better than Kirk Cousins and then worst case scenario, just be like, oh, I couldn't pass up the value of that seventh round running back. So now I can get Kirk Cousins in the 10th and be happy with it, but not a guy you're going to be looking to leave your draft with. Right. I think in 12 team or smaller leagues, I would not be happy if he was my starter, but, uh, you know, again, larger leagues, or if you want to, again, pair him with a Tua or somebody else that has some injury risk, or any other type of risk, like Trevor Lawrence kind of has that unknown, uh, you know, he might you know, not be the guy he was in the back half of that year, that sort of thing. If you want to pair him with someone like that, I think that's a smart move because you really basically know what you're getting at this point with Kirk Cousins, as long as he's still on the Vikings. I think that is actually a little bit up in the air, but we'll, uh, we'll see how that plays out. As of now, we have to just assume that that's going to be the case. We have uh, our next player here on the list. That's Dak Prescott at number 10. He was only 0.2 points behind Kirk Cousins. I think uh, Dak is Kirk Cousins south when it comes to uh, fantasy as of, you know, moving forward. I I think that his ceiling has unfortunately been pretty well defined. Uh, The offense has been fantastic the past couple years, but he has still not been able to break through from a fantasy perspective just because this team leans on the ground game so much. And with Mike McCarthy calling plays, that will only be more so the case next year. So I think his ceiling is pretty capped. I'm probably not going to have a ton of Dak Prescott shares next year, to be honest with you, Uh, especially because I think he's going to go ahead of guys like Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff and, you know, other guys that I I view pretty similarly from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that every year when I'm looking at draft season since he had his great rookie year uh, that I'm just astonished at where he goes in drafts because he's never been an amazing fantasy quarterback, but he's always – people always have a feeling that, 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 you know, Dak Prescott's going to have that breakout year every year. So – 
I, I'm there. I think Dak Prescott's a fine NFL quarterback, like you said, at that Kirk Cousins level. So it's nothing against him. I just, again, I, I want to shoot for a Herbert or a Trevor Lawrence if they're falling to me in drafts before I take one of these guys that I know, you know, their ceilings ultimately capped. So, um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to poo-poo on him too much because I feel like he's a fine quarterback. I think the one thing you're looking at with Dak is uh, he had 15 interceptions last year. If their offense gets a little bit more conservative under Mike McCarthy, maybe that number comes down a little bit. Maybe the touchdowns come down. You know, he didn't. He missed a couple games, so we'd expect you know maybe he throws the same amount or a couple more touchdowns next year uh, if he plays all 17. So I think he can move up. Maybe you know quarterback eight or seven next year. Maybe he has a Geno type year. Just you know step above but I feel like that's ultimately a ceiling he's not going to get up to that Jalen Hurts level of quarterback for fantasy yeah I think a couple things you're looking for if you're looking for positives on Dak Prescott you're hoping that the Cowboys bring in a you know more reputable number two option behind CeeDee Lamb who really did emerge as a bona fide number one this year so that is definitely a positive for Dak Prescott. And then I think the other thing you can hope for is that Dallas Cowboys defense maybe comes back to earth a little bit. We see this a lot, again, with defenses. It's a lot of ebb and flow year to year, and uh, Cowboys have been fantastic the past two years. But, you know, a couple injuries in training camp can change everything. So if that happens, I think that's the that's the path for Dak Prescott to unlocking his fantasy potential. But as of now, I agree. I think he's just in that Kirk Cousins tier of fantasy quarterback. And uh, the the Mike McCarthy calling plays thing only worries me even more. So yep. probably not going to end up with a ton of him. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is our next guy on the list. I'm going to let Cody kind of lead this discussion here. He was 11th in points per game this year. Obviously had a huge back half of the year uh, as far as fantasy uh, you know production goes. Got a lot better as the year went on. So. Cody, go ahead and uh, tell me why you're taking Trevor Lawrence in the second round next year. Uh, it's only fucking right that we get to talk about my boy Trevor Lawrence right as Nick's time expires, too. And we know we're going to hit that over. So uh, let's damn. go. Uh, yes, love myself some Trevor Lawrence. Um, like you said, he had a really good back half of the season. Um, obviously, the playoff run was awesome, too. So uh, I think really my excited, the exciting thing for me was they re-signed Dev, or they uh, tagged Devin Ingram. I felt like he was a very big part of that offense last year, really dominated the middle of the field. And you can, from the tight end position, you can run him on some kind of corner and out routes. And I would say he, he did a little bit better of a job holding on to the football last year than we had seen him do uh, with the Giants previously. So I think that was a big thing. Uh, and then obviously you have Calvin Ridley being reinstated and – you know, maybe the most important thing, you know, obviously if you, I think a couple of weeks ago, Nick and I kind of ended the podcast talking about it. Probably two biggest things are offensive line and head coach. And I think they have, if you don't want to call them an A plus, I'm going to give them an A at the worst in Doug Peterson. You know, we'll see if they're, you know, maybe not on the defensive side, but as a head coach and offensive play caller, he's an A for sure. They had some amazing designs last year. I feel like they just get another year in that system. And, um, yeah, he's plus 1,700 to win the MVP. So if you're looking to take someone with, you know, that's not Mahomes or Burrow with a little bit, you know, more juice on their odds, I feel like he's that guy for me. So he's the guy I'm reaching on in drafts. He's he's going to be the guy that you're going to see a lot of on a lot of my teams next year for sure. I think the one worry I do have with Trevor is basically exactly what you just laid out there. I think he's going to get pushed up quite a bit in fantasy right. drafts because of all this. I, I mean, I see – Everything you see as far as this offense having a lot of elite talent, Calvin Ridley coming back, Christian Kirk is a solid slot wide receiver, especially in a complimentary role that he'll be in now. Evan Ingram 
had a breakout year. Uh, Zay Jones is a very solid complimentary piece. He's going to be maybe even the fourth option on this offense that says, you know, more about the Jaguars than it does Zay Jones. He showed himself to be a very quality NFL wide receiver this year, but I just don't know if I'm going to be comfortable taking Trevor Lawrence before, you know, round eight, maybe round seven, if I really like him, but I think he'll be pushed up a little bit higher than that. Uh, you know, as long as, you know, maybe even if they, they added this offensive line and you know, the hype train starts to build with Trevor, he could get pushed up quite a bit. My only concern, that's my only concern with him from a fantasy perspective, but yeah, I see everything you're seeing. He has the potential to break into the top five quarterbacks uh, for sure. So if you really like him, you go get him, but there are some other guys I think I, I value similarly that will go a little later. Eric, if you're listening to this, um, the last three weeks he played, he put up only 18 points, four points, and 12 points. So not a guy you're going to be wanting to keep on your team there, Eric. So may want to be looking to trade him uh, to someone else who may want a quarterback going into next season. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. My, my biggest issue is he had nine fumbles last year. And fumbles aren't typically a thing that you can – you know, they're not interceptions where you can see the field a little bit better and not throw some of those picks. Those are just simply he has an issue holding on to the football when he gets hit. So that would be my concern. I do believe he had four in one game, so that may obviously inflate the numbers quite a bit. But, you know, if he gets that number down to, you know, two to three fumbles next year, I, I really like his chances of, of jumping up. But like you said, he's probably – ADP wise, we'll see where he's going. I'm talking a lot of big talk, but I'm a I'm a mid to later round quarterback kind of guy. I feel like uh, he may he may get a little too much juice going into next season, but we will see. And the juice will be coming from this podcast. Don't get me wrong. I will be I'll be driving the juice. Firmly from one side of the podcast room here, the juice will be driven on Trevor Lawrence and uh, uh, Eric. The only thing I'll say is just. Grab Cody by the short hairs and make him give him give you everything he's got for Trevor Lawrence because he'll give it all up. Uh, trust me on that. Uh, our could, next guy, we can do the same the trade as last year when he gave me Saquon for David Montgomery. I'm thinking of a, I'm thinking of a trade <laughs> gonna, on that level. <laughs> that's that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> he's going to recoup his value that he lost in that trade last year for in sure. his Trevor Lawrence deal. I will make sure of it. <laughs> Jared Goff is the next guy on our list. Um, he was the number twelve overall quarterback in points per game, sitting right at twenty in six point per passing touchdown leagues. I think he falls firmly into the Cousins Geno bucket for me. He's streamable in the right matchup, but we're not targeting him as a starter. I think uh, Jared Goff was actually one of our favorite quarterbacks this year because it was very easy to tell when he was going to have a good game and when he was going to have a bad one. I don't see that changing too much this next year. Again, it'll uh, depend on what the Lions do. They have a lot of draft capital, and I, Im- I imagine a decent amount of cap space as well, but as of now, I think Jared Goff is uh, a solid streamer, but not somebody we're looking to target as a starter. Yeah, I think he's he's your Kirk Cousins kind of guy. I think if you end up leaving your draft, I think he's the same as Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott. I mean, if he has a good matchup week one and you want to try and exploit it, you can leave your draft with him. But like you said, really, really anything 12 and under, you're not going to be happy leaving with Jared Goff. So um, I would, like I said, target elsewhere. And if other people are reaching on quarterbacks too high for you and Jared Goff has a good week one matchup, he can be a, a worst case scenario leaving the draft for you. Yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much all I got on Goff. He's pretty easy. Uh, I, I don't think there's anybody out there that has, you know, some. Is it cold and outdoors? Becoming don't a top five. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If he's, if he's in the, if he's in the dome at home against a bad defense, fire him up. Uh, that's, it's a pretty easy uh, proposition with Jared Goff. 
Uh, next guy on the list here, Daniel Jones. He is .1 points behind Jared Goff in overall points per game. He was 13th from the quarterback position in fantasy. Uh, I think there could be some debate here because of his rushing upside as far as, uh, you know, maybe some people pushing him up the board a little bit, but unless there is massive upgrades to this wide receiver room, I'm not even, you know, looking in this direction. Uh, there is not much interest for me from an NFL perspective and not too much from a fantasy perspective either. I think there's just a lot of other guys that fall in the same range that I like more. Uh, again, if the wide receiver core gets upgraded to a significant degree, we can have a conversation about it. But as of now, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to end up on any of my rosters. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I can't, I can't, I cannot leave a draft with Daniel Jones. I think I'd rather take a shot on some of these other guys we're going to name to end this podcast. I'd, you know, take a shot potentially on a rookie, maybe having a, a breakout, you know, over Daniel Jones. So he's he's probably at the bottom of that Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins tier of just like if it's a desperation yeah. week one good matchup, you can leave your draft with him. But that should be the only reason you're leaving your draft with uh, Daniel Jones. 100% couldn't agree more there on Jones. Uh, our last guy that we're going to go over from the straight top 14 here is Justin Herbert. An incredibly disappointing year for him, ending up at 14th in points per game. Uh, but I think he will almost certainly be my target. So if uh, you know Justin Herbert is to me as Trevor Lawrence is to Cody. So uh, I think TD regression, TD regression was the biggest culprit of his down year. Let's take a look at his last three years real quick in the touchdown department. In 2020, his rookie season, this was in 15 games, mind you, so he missed the first two. He had 36 touchdowns. 2021, 41 touchdowns. 2022, 25 touchdowns. One of those numbers does not look like the other, Cody. Uh, this offense is going to only get better with Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. Uh, I think Justin Herbert, his touchdowns will come back up, and so will his fantasy production. If you can get him in the back end of the top 10 uh, on draft value, seventh round, eighth round, I am absolutely taking that all day. I think this is the guy I will be targeting over a Trevor Lawrence personally. So I think that's why I won't end up with a ton of T law. But, uh, you know, I just think Herbert has a little bit more of a track record and offers kind of the same upside. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was, I mean, just like the number one overall quarterback for his whole life, was the number one overall pick and, you know, had a one bad year with uh, Urban Meyer. But, yeah, I guess. I, one bad year is very understating it, but, yeah. With Urban Meyer's very, I think, a very clear answer based on his uh, NFL experience. But, yeah, I mean, he does have a he does have a couple of years with a, a couple more you know better better numbers, which I I understand. I I may be a little bit burned by Herbert just coming off of this current year, so maybe a little bit more time away will help me uh, mend my Herbert wounds. But I don't know. I mean, Kellen Moore didn't really do that much for Dak Prescott that we've seen, so I don't know if I feel like he's going to do too much more for Justin Herbert than what he was getting before. Um, Keenan Allen's a big question mark. I know there's been some questions on whether or not he'll be with the team. I think he's the best target there. As much as I want to hype up Mike Williams for the fourth year in a row, um, I think you know Keenan Allen's by far their clear number one. So I think there's a little bit of question around Justin Herbert. I'm not going to lie to you. If I'm sitting there, you know, we're looking at the back half of the tenth, and I get you know Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert sitting right next to each other, is it going to be really hard for me to take Lawrence over Herbert? Absolutely, but. I think this is going to be a hill that I'm willing to die on going into next year. I think Trevor Lawrence just has a better year. I think he takes the big, you know, 
what he did not get from year one to year two because of Urban Meyer's regression on him, I think he's getting from year two to year three. So I, I just have a lot of faith in Trevor Lawrence, but you know, I think him and Herbert should be really close to each other in rankings and probably an overall performance next year. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of the fantasy community is going to agree with you on Trevor Lawrence over Justin Herbert, and I hope they do because I will take all of the shares of Justin Herbert you want to give me. I just love him, love him as a player. And uh, again, this uh, this statistical profile is pretty clear with the one outlier here being this past year in the touchdown department. And you know, give him ten more touchdowns and see where he ends up on this list. It would have been in the top eight, and we wouldn't even be having this discussion. So. Yep. I think uh, I think that those touchdowns will come back to earth. Well, I guess uh, we'll go back up uh, in this case. Uh, they will regress to the mean, which is higher than it was this going past back year. To outer so space. I'm not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank you for completing my metaphor. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think Herbert will be just fine. And again, I think Kellen Moore is a good offensive coordinator. Uh, say what you will about him with his time with the Cowboys, but I think he'll be a better play caller than uh, Joe Lombardi. Do not like the way that he handled uh, Justin Herbert and. Maybe Kellen Moore is not, you know, the top of the league, but it will still be an upgrade over what he had. So um, I am pretty positive on Justin Herbert's fantasy outlook. Do you have anything you want? To, uh, anything else you want to add to Justin Herbert, or do you want to jump to these uh, other QBs of note that we're going to get? Yeah, to? Yeah, my last point I just want to make here on the Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Herbert argument. If Trevor Lawrence is going as like the QB five off the board, and you can get Herbert at the QB nine or ten. The argument's not even not even there to take Lawrence. You've got to just wait a couple more rounds and grab Herbert for sure. So I, I'm going to be very high on Trevor Lawrence. I feel like if, like, like I said, if those two were right next to each other in drafts, I'd probably go Lawrence. But if we're talking about a couple round difference and you're, I'm getting Herbert in eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth round, like, come on, there's no way you're not taking that. So, um, yeah, like you said, I feel like there's still going to be a lot of value there. The people who drafted Herbert last year, they're not taking that chance again because they got burned big time taking them in the oh, third yeah. through fifth round. So I think there's going to be a lot of value there. Let's just see where he actually ends up. Because I could also see people going like, look at 2020 and 2021, and he was amazing when his you know top weapons weren't hurt for half the year. So he's going to be a big ADP right. guy. But like you said, if he's falling to the back of the top ten, that's, that is very, very nice for those guys who like to wait on quarterback. Yeah, I just, I, in my opinion, I think there's a lot of guys that are going to be pushed up the board, whether it be, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, obviously the top four, Lamar Jackson, depending on his situation. Yep. Uh, there are a few other guys that you could, you know, make arguments for that might be pushed ahead of Herbert when I don't think they should be for sure. from a fantasy perspective. Let's uh, touch on these other guys here that we have on this list. Uh, first off, Russell Wilson, a giant bust, obviously from fantasy perspective. Sean Payton coming to town. Might change his fortunes. We'll see. I don't think anybody's going to be leaving uh, any fantasy drafts with him as their starter. Uh, but, you know, he's not the worst dart throw if you want to wait and grab two guys late. I think he offers more upside than, you know, say a Geno Smith earlier on. I think, uh, you know, we've just seen it before with Russell, and he has a great offensive coach now. Uh, and you're not going to have to pay anything on draft day. He's going to have a very low value, I, I would imagine. Yeah, I don't think he had. I mean, he's definitely not going to burst back into that, you know, top four or five consideration. But if you tell me he's a top fifteen fantasy quarterback next year, I would completely agree with you as we sit here today. So, um, yeah, I, if he's going to go undrafted, I mean, I would take him with the last pick in my, you know, my draft if I don't have one of those great guys at quarterback. So, I think of these three guys that we're going to talk about, I think the last guy's a little interesting. But I, I would rather throw a, a dart throw on Russell Wilson with Sean Payton over the rest of these guys as we sit here today. 
yeah, I, I think it's not the worst uh, worst bite to take at this apple. And um, you know, he's he's got the upside, and the coach is there, so we'll see if he can rebound. And again, I think you're going to be paying round twelve, round thirteen prices on him, so you're not losing much, even if he comes out the first couple weeks and just still sucks. It's it's an easy cut bait situation there. You're not going to have to invest much. Aaron Rodgers, another veteran quarterback that struggled from a fantasy perspective this year, actually finished with the same points per game as Russell Wilson. That is very surprising to me. Uh, will depend on where he goes. It looks like it's going to be the Jets. Let's just go with that assumption and kind of uh, you know base our predictions off of that. I, I don't think this changes much from a fantasy perspective for Rodgers. Again, love it for Garrett Wilson, but... You're going to be going to a team that has a very good young defense and will probably not be wanting Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball, you know, 40, 45 times a game like he did a couple of years ago. So I think the fantasy production will be somewhat muted, quite like it was this past year. Maybe a solid streamer, but again, not somebody I'm necessarily, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's much upside here beyond, uh, you know, what, what what we can get from a Kirk Cousins or someone like that. Yeah, exactly. I think he had one game last year where he threw more than two touchdowns, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Wow. So, yeah, he's – I have a, my note here I think is exactly how I felt is when I typed up these notes. Whatever team he goes to, let's say the Jets, you know, Garrett Wilson's fantasy value is going to be through the roof, uh, especially this offseason. But, um, yeah, I think that's the best thing is he's going to he's going to provide value to the other parts around him. Maybe a tight end in New York can become relevant, something like that. But him himself are not is not going to be relevant. They're going to be looking to you know slow the clock down, play defense, and, and let them run the ball. And you know Aaron Rodgers just be you know be used when he's necessary. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I think yeah, his, his upside is just going to be capped by the team philosophy, especially if he ends up with New York. Yeah. Uh, Deshaun Watson is the last guy that we're going to talk about here. Uh, this one, another very tough rank, <coughs> obviously based on what he did before his hiatus and what he did last year. Giant difference, kind of to be expected after taking such a long break from playing NFL football, but... Uh, I think this is another guy that even if you believe the old Deshaun Watson's going to come back, he's going to be severely capped by the philosophy of this Browns team. I think the defense has some pretty good pieces, could be you know at least an average unit. And uh, obviously Kevin Stefanski wants to run the ball into the ground with Nick Chubb and whatever running back he ends up getting to supplement him. I'm sure they'll invest in somebody or even if they want to just promote Dearness Johnson, who's been a solid running back when he's been given the chance. So. I think Deshaun Watson's upside is a little bit capped because of those reasons. But again, if he ends up being round 11, round 12, and you want to take a shot on him, I don't have any problem with it. His upside is ridiculously high for someone in that range. Yeah, he's, I mean, if you think he's fully done, then just completely avoid him. But if you think that there's, you know, a 50% chance that he can get back to, to what he, you know, what he was before, you got to take him at most likely what his ADP is going to be right now. Um, we'll see if there's so, any kind of hype around the Browns that maybe get it pushed up to where he becomes a little bit more of a concern drafting him. But, you know, I mean, if you're getting into the later rounds of your draft and you're looking at your, you know, fifth or sixth wide receiver or running back or a potentially league changing quarterback, I feel like you got to take that shot at Deshaun Watson if you're willing to. Um, obviously, I mean, the off the field issues are their own thing, but if he was not very good when he was actually playing football last season, which is pretty, you know, you kind of expect that when you take a year and a half off of doing anything, you're not going to be as good as soon as you pick it back up. So 
Um, we'll see what he looks like to start next season. Like you said, I, if he's my second quarterback leaving a draft and I feel like he can turn into something, I don't mind picking him up. But I'd be very, very uh, worried if you're leaving your drafts with Deshaun Watson as your only quarterback and just planning on streaming if he doesn't work out. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think Deshaun Watson's case will just come down to uh, where his ADP ends up falling next year. Uh, that is all we have for the quarterbacks last year. Uh, we're going to touch on the rookies real quick. Obviously, this is going to depend completely on landing spot uh, for next year's fantasy value as far as they go. Uh, Cody, before we start, do you have any one of these guys that you feel passionate about? Or um, is there, you know, did you want to single out one of these passers as your clear favorite? Cody? Well, we seem to have Justin, lost you our man, Cody Barwick. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, no, jump in on these rookie quarterbacks real quick. Okay. Obviously the top four. Bryce Young, well, CJ Stroud, you know, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson. Right there um, there's been a lot of talk about uh, these four guys as far as where they're going to end up. Cody, are we back? We are back, yes. I. All right. Uh, I was just about to get into these rookie quarterbacks. I was. Uh, I asked you if there are any of them that you like head and shoulders above the rest. Um, I think kind of what you were alluding into before we got disconnected there, um, it's going to depend on landing spot. I think right now my favorite one of these guys is whoever's going to end up with Seattle uh, at number five if they do end up going the quarterback routes. I feel like they have the weapons yeah. and the overall team that you could put a you know a veteran like Geno or a rookie like you know a Will Levis behind and they could perform at a decent level. So. Um, I think that's probably my favorite destination right now for one of these guys. But, um, I mean, right now, if you're just, hey, the teams are going to be exactly the same, which one do you want leading your team going into next year? I think you got to take Bryce Young just based on what he did at Alabama. But as a as a guy, I, I just don't I don't like small quarterbacks. I'm not a big fan of Kyler Murray. was never a big fan of Baker Mayfield. I think at a certain point, uh, you got to be able to sit behind the line of the script, line of scrimmage, like a uh, Trevor Lawrence, like a Mahomes, like an Allen, and be able to sling that ball wherever the ball needs to go. That's how you win in the NFL. And smoke and mirrors, and you know, smaller running quarterbacks can win you games. But we have not seen them besides Russell Wilson really win you a championship as of recently. I mean, if you go back through all the quarterbacks who have won the last ten, you're looking at Mahomes, Stafford, uh, Brady. Uh, you know, Peyton Manning and 20, all of them. So they're all they're all big guys who can sit behind the pocket and throw the football. We haven't seen a Lamar break through and win one. We almost saw Jalen did, but you could argue he was the better throwing quarterback in that Super Bowl that we watched. So that's my biggest that's my rant, I guess, on these rookie quarterbacks is I, I can't take Bryce Young because I don't think that there's a proven record of smaller quarterbacks making it in the NFL at this point. I think Russell Wilson and Drew Brees are more outliers than rules that we should follow when it comes to taking quarterbacks. Yeah, I think his, I think it just really caps his upside. I mean, I think he could still be a really solid quarterback in this league, just maybe not somebody that's going to uh, you know be a top three guy. And I think that's really what you're looking for when you're taking someone number one overall. My favorite of these guys, if you are looking to win with him next year, is C.J. Stroud, personally. Uh, he throws a beautiful ball. He's got the size, and he's actually got the running ability as well. Didn't really use it much in college, but his measurables are pretty good. And uh, I think if he was thrown into the right situation, he might be fantasy-relevant year one, whether it's uh, you know maybe a Detroit or a Seattle like you alluded to earlier. 
Uh, and then Levis and Richardson are just, they're more projects. They're not really going to, they're mo- almost certainly not going to be fantasy relevant this year. Uh, but they profile as, you know, the Josh Allen type where they have all of the tools in the world. It could completely fall flat or they could be, you know, top five guys at their position. So uh, it's just going to depend on where they go as far as uh, dynasty value goes. But I think Young and Stroud are the only guys we're looking for in fantasy. And it's just going to it's going to depend on where they go. If Young or Stroud goes to Detroit or Seattle, they could be relevant. But other than that, I don't see any realistic landing spots that, uh, you know, would end up with these two being on my draft board. Yeah. Oh, on the draft board. Absolutely not. I, I agree with you there. One thing I'm just, I'm just going to leave out there, Anthony Richardson, if he ends up being the number one overall pick to Carolina, I think he may have one of the worst years throwing the football we've ever seen in NFL history, but that boy can freaking move. I, he can, he has the fastest 40 for a quarterback, you know, at the combine Lamar didn't run. So yep. I mean, obviously some of the numbers are a little, uh, misconstrued there, but the guy's a freak of nature. So if he were to find a gig where he's starting right away, he may be relevant just with his rushing upside, like a Justin Fields was, but that's the only way I could see that happening. Uh, Will Levis, I don't necessarily see being fantasy relevant. I see him as being more of a pocket passer. So maybe if he gets to Seattle in like two to three years, he's going to be really fantasy relevant with the weapons they have there. But if he goes to a lower grade team and they're throwing him out there right away, I feel like the only one that could survive would be CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. And it's basically just with their ability to move the pocket and throw the ball downfield while moving, which I don't know if Levis or Richardson necessarily have at this point. Yeah. For Richardson's sake, I sincerely hope Carolina does not take him number one and start him all year. Right. It could completely ruin <laughs> his career uh, as far as his confidence goes, because he's just not going to be ready and he's not going to have the weapons to, to make that work in my opinion. So Hopefully, if Richardson is their guy, that they you know maybe just throw Sam Darnold to the Wolves for a year and uh, you know just develop them behind uh, behind Richardson. The only problem with that is that they don't have their first round pick in twenty twenty four, so that's a little harder to swallow. But yeah, um, we'll see what ends up happening with Carolina. I think uh, again, if Detroit or Seattle ends up picking one of these guys, we'll we'll be talking about them. But other than that, they're probably just going to be you know, on the lower tier uh, as far as fantasy goes. Yep. We saw what Kenny Pickett did last year as a rookie quarterback without insane weapons. So unless you're landing somewhere that, you know, gives you an automatic wide receiver one, you're probably struggling your rookie season. So I, uh, yeah. So going into next year, your shot, your guy, who, who are you riding with if you had to choose like a my guy at the quarterback position as we sit here today? Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert, no, no question. Right. I think uh, his value is going to be very solid, and I love his upside. I think he's, you know, he's got the, the top five upside. He's got a pretty high floor, and the price tag is not going to be egregious. Yeah, right. I, I understand that. We're going to keep this narrative riding all season long, baby. Let's go, Trevor Lawrence. Let's go, Jaguars. Big off season. Let's uh, let's get you know another offensive lineman for Trevor Lawrence here in the free agent market. Let's make some moves <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I think I think those two guys should be guys that, you know, if you're currently doing a dynasty startup or you're doing best ball leagues because you have nothing else going on in the summertime, then those would be the two guys I'd be targeting because I'd imagine their ADPs are not what they should be at this point. Maybe Lawrence is a little bit higher, but I still feel like there's other quarterbacks people are more eager to take than Trevor Lawrence as we sit here today. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to depend on what ADB is, but I think uh, early on, those are our two guys to target. Uh, you know, obviously mine being Herbert and Cody's being Trevor Lawrence. So yeah. I think that is going to wrap up our quarterback episode here. 
recapping the 2022-2023 fantasy season from the quarterback perspective. We'll go through each position group and do the same in the coming weeks. I believe we'll do wide receivers next. That should be coming actually in just a couple days because we're probably going to piggyback a uh, college basketball discussion on the on the back of that wide receiver pod because uh, the tournament is going to be happening next week. And uh, once the bracket comes out tonight, we only have a couple days to get that information out to y'all so you can, uh, you know, action and have that be actionable advice for you. So yep. we will talk to you soon. Cody, do you have any parting words for the people? Nope. This will be out Monday. So if you're listening on Monday, Tuesday will be NCAA podcast. Wednesday, we're going to have another golf podcast shot out there. I did not sh- uh, shout out that one when we started, but uh, unfortunately did not bring us home a winner, but we had two guys in the top five that we recommended on that podcast this week. So getting off to a relatively hot start and uh, we're going to keep that thing going. So that one will be out on Wednesdays, NCAA basketball out Tuesday with some bets and maybe favorites that we kind of like, maybe some underdogs as well. And then uh, I'll be in Florida for the following weekend. So we'll have, you know, we'll probably have some more content the following week out on Tuesday or Wednesday. So stay tuned and uh, hit us up in the DMs. I'm actually going to be pushing this pretty hard. Let's try and get a Q&A episode rolling uh, at some point. Just get some fan interaction. If anyone is listening an hour and 40 minutes into the pod, shoot us a DM with some questions or shoot a comment with some questions. Let's try and get a a mailbag-esque episode firing off. So. Peace out, everybody. Have a good week. Uh, Crush it with whatever you do work-wise, and uh, keep an eye out. It's going to be a big week. Lots of pods coming out. Peace out, guys.